Greetings, I'm Laura Pucci-Valtorta. Welcome to episode 17 of my podcast, B is for Bisexual. I'm consolidating all my short stories into this podcast. This story is called Wild Boar, and we're reading part two, the second half of the story. We return to Italy and find out whether Stefano, our young hero, can survive the conflict between his mountain family and the beach. Will his witchy sisters help him? Will he turn into an animal? Joining me in the reading is Dante, a musician and the star of my other podcast, Dante's Music. Sadly, Marco has laryngitis and cannot read with us today. And let me tell you, dear listener, the house is a lot quieter when Marco can't speak. I am a content creator, and my films include Bermuda, that's a feature-length comedy, You Feel Me, and Disability, all on channels such as Amazon and Tubi. A shout-out to listeners in Germany, Italy, South Carolina, Rhode Island, Alabama, California, and Texas. And now, Wild Boar Part 2. The next morning, Stefano's back felt heavy, and it was hard to pull on his shirt. He walked, hunched over, as he hurried down to the restaurant. He was slower than usual. He carried the wild boar carcass down to the restaurant in a sack. What's that? Said Tommaso. Mm. Stefano grunted. You bought us a boar. Excellent. Said Tommaso. I don't like to buy the meat from Eper Cup. Too dry. Shoot it yourself next time, Stefano wanted to tell him. But his jaw jutted forward and he had trouble forming the words. Everyone worked extra hard at the restaurant that day. Some kid had a birthday party, and most of the guests who joined him were hungry adults. Stefano broke down and then seasoned the boar meat. He did it right with lemon, red pepper, and enough salt so that the wild taste of the meat shone through, and yet it wasn't too bland. He made the sauce. Tommaso cooked the pasta and calamari. The guests at the birthday party loved all the food. They couldn't stop praising the chef. More guests came in to dine. For Stefano and Tommaso, there wasn't time to eat all day. Stefano drank glass after glass of water. It was mid-August and very hot. By the end of the day, around 7.30 p.m., Stefano was ravenous. Earlier, he had set aside some pasta and wild boar sauce, a fondina plate with a cloth on top, and placed it in the refrigerator to eat when he had the chance. After stacking the dishwasher, he stepped into the tiny bathroom to wash his face and hands. When he walked back to the kitchen, Tommaso was finishing the pasta. So good said Tommaso, his mouth full. I couldn't resist. Stefano felt his eyes roll back in his head. There was some sauce left, but it would take another ten minutes to cook more pasta. Without saying a word or putting on his bathing suit, he rushed down to the beach. 
two women sitting under umbrellas, and three noisy kids with a bucket of jellyfish stopped to stare at him. The top of his body felt heavy. He pulled off his t-shirt, tossed it aside, and dropped on all fours onto the sand. He scrambled toward the water, slipping on the sharp stones. The rush of the waves and the coolness of the water felt heavenly. The bottom fell away, and he was in the water over his head. Behind him, several people were screaming. Stefano floated on his back, swam, and stroked past the cruddy water, beyond the debris and feces disgorged by the boats. He reached the coal-clear water near the Gavitello, where he could still see almost all the way to the bottom. Schools of fish circled below him. He rotated, lay on his back, and stared up at the sky. The salt and the water and the gentle waves calmed him down. After about 15 minutes, he swam back. It was dangerous to stay in the water after sunset. Crossing the waves to reach the sand was difficult. His body felt heavier as he was climbing out of the water. A woman with a large hat stared at him. The kids were all huddled under the umbrellas, clutching their parents. Let them stare. Let them wonder. He had worked all day. He deserved to swim. The t-shirt that he had swept off the beach had a few stiff hairs stuck in it. He shrugged his shoulders. He was a hairy guy. Let the world deal with it. In the kitchen, Tommaso was looking at him, his eyes round. He pointed down to a large plate of linguine with boar sauce without taking his eyes off Stefano. I cooked it for you, he said. Stefano grabbed the plate and shoveled the pasta into his mouth, grunting and smacking his lips. He needed food inside him now. He finished the pasta and chomped down a couple of carrots without scraping them. Walking back to his apartment after the swim and the food, he felt sprightlier and lighter on his feet. Sure, he still felt sorry for the chingiali, mother and child he had killed, but at least they didn't have to cook over a hot stove all day. Their lives had been simpler and maybe better. Diana was away in Switzerland visiting her daughter, so Stefano had the two apartments to himself. He was proud of himself for cooking delicious food that day, and even prouder for tempering his anger against Tommaso. The chef knew he had stolen Stefano's dinner, and at least he had the decency to cook some replacement pasta for his sous chef. Stepping into the shower, Stefano was surprised at much, how much he stank up the enclosed space, like a zoo or a garden shed. He would need to apply the hand sprayer all over himself, along with plenty of bani shuma. After about 10 minutes of cascading himself with soap and water, he exited the shower stall to dry. The mirror was fogged up. He opened the window. He massaged his head with the towel. He wiped the mirror in a circle and his face came into focus. He screamed. <laughs> so much hair. His face was grotesque. Shaving would be impossible. His back was hunched over too, like he had never stopped bending over the hot stove. His sharp bottom teeth pushed forward and protruded from his mouth. 
He grabbed his phone and texted Claudia. Help! Something's happening to me! My body is turning into a chingale! Here, Claudia responded almost immediately. I've seen this before with mountain people. Maybe your sisters could do something. But will they help me? Responded Stefano. He had such a rocky relationship with his siblings. When he opened his mouth to cry, all that came out was whimpering and whining. Driving the moped home took less time than riding the bus, and with a jacket on and a helmet, nobody could see his body. Stefano was home by nine. Diners was, were just leaving his family's ristorante. Hey, son, we don't see you enough, said his father. How are the naked coolos on the beach? <laughs> <laughs> the Goombas laughed. Stefano ignored them and burst into the kitchen. He grabbed Chiara's arm. You need to help me. Chiara yanked her arm away. I don't need to do anything. Yes, you do. You're my sister. I'm in trouble. Chiara reconsidered this. Get over here, Elena, right now. Cabbage Head needs our help in the laboratory. He's begging us. The three of them trudged down the pathway to the guest house. Once they got inside and shut the door, Elena Jr. crossed her arms over her chest. What's wrong, Fuzzy Back? You catch a venereal disease? No, I'm turning into a chingale. Kiara palpitated Stefano's shoulders. I see what you mean. Are you stuck this way? No, this is the normal me, but I turn into an animal when I get upset or angry. The sisters look at each other and laugh <laughs> for several minutes. Elena Jr. had to sit down before she could breathe again. Dio mio, this is marvelous. Our love potion didn't work. Maybe it worked on Claudia. Stefano felt his bottom teeth jutting forward. Do something. His eyes grew smaller and his back hunched forward. The sisters stared at him. Holy mackerel, he's not joking. They held each other in a tight embrace, still looking at Stefano. Maybe now he has to stay home and help us out of the restaurant. He can't help much if his hands turned to hooves. Stefano's left foot had burst out of its shoe. The toes were merging. I don't know. I don't know. Elena Jr. was really crying now. I don't want to lose my baby brother. Chiara sat down at the table and began to page through a large book of spells. Elena sat down next to her. Stefano guzzled a Coca-Cola from the fridge and began to feel better. He could twinkle his toes. His eyes focused. The trick is to make him calm down. Kiara agreed. We don't have to invent a charm to do that. There's plenty of stuff around to calm people down. I could bake some magic brownies. In the meanwhile, go find some of Dad's Chianti. Elena Jr. ran off to the house. I need to see Claudia. Stefano pulled out his phone. Claudia promised to ride over with the mail truck. Alcohol, a couple of THC brownies, and spending the night with Claudia did a lot to even out Stefano's nerves. I told you your sisters could help, said Claudia. Everybody knows they have special powers, good powers. Maybe they really love me, said Stefano. But I still don't know whether to go back to the beach restaurant. Do you want to work there? The job is great, said Stefano. I can cook all the fancy food I want. I can swim after 8 o'clock. 
What about the beach girls? Uh, too skinny, said Stefano, and he meant it. You should join me, live at the beach. Claudia hesitated. I have my job and my family up here. We'll get another job, said Stefano. And move in with me. Your family will only be 30 minutes away by moped. I need to think about it, said Claudia. Stefano spent Thursday snoozing and watching movies. He took a walk in the forest and tried to avoid the wild boar hangouts. Instead of hunting, he picked some gigantic mushrooms. They would make a good woodsy risotto. On Friday, he drove back to Cavi di Lavagna, the mushrooms and the cannabis brownies bouncing inside his backpack. Diana had returned from Switzerland. She gave him a hug. It's pleasant to have a man living in the house. Back at the restaurant, Luca and Tommaso said nothing about Stefano disappearing for a day. Stefano concocted mushroom steaks, mushroom risotto, and mushroom pasta with a honey lemon chili sauce. These dishes were less stressful and more delicious than wild boar. Diners praised him and brought their friends to the bani. Tommaso and Luca spoke little and gave him free reign. At lunchtime, Stefano was careful to drink a carafe of water and a glass of table wine. At night, one or two cannabis brownies helped him fall asleep and reduced the hump of his spine, the hairiness of his back. He stayed away from noisy bars. He stayed away from the beach. On Sundays, he rode the moped back home to see Claudia. His sisters were there, too. Hey, Fuzzy Back, this is our headquarters, said Chiara, hovering over him when he woke up one morning at the guest house. Find your own place. The house belongs to the entire Canella family, said Stefano. Be quiet, because Claudia's still asleep. Before leaving, Chiara lit some incense in the fireplace and began a loud chant that sounded like a rap song. She began to dance, swinging her long top braid around like a whip. Fragrant smoke filled the living room. Stefano stood in the doorway watching her. Then Elena burst in. Brother, you look good. She rubbed Stefano's head. Hair on your head, not on your back? Stefano relaxed and enjoyed the forest. He and Claudia discussed moving, moving down to the beach. But this house is nice, said Claudia. Great view. Maybe we could buy it from your parents. Stefano pictured himself and Claudia living in the guest house, his sisters poking their heads in every 30 minutes, farting, dancing, burning incense, and casting spells. Whenever his sisters were around, he kept asking himself, what is that smell? One Saturday morning, back at the beach at Bagnarelia, it was hot and oppressive. Most people were swimming in the sea, but Renata, the skinny girl from the bar, was watching a soccer match in the restaurant with her friends. They were all sitting around in bathing suits, drinking lemon sodas, and cheering on their favorite players. When either side scored a goal, the entire restaurant erupted in shouting, cursing, and applause. Stefano took a break from boiling the calamari and peered through the curtain. 
He didn't dare open the curtain entirely. Renata and her friends might laugh. He was the hairy guy from the mountains, almost an animal. Around 5 p.m., the heat in the kitchen rose to 35 degrees Celsius. Stefano's head was pounding, and he was sweating through his clothes. The dinner rush was only a couple of hours away, but he had to get away. He had to get out of the kitchen. He could see the beach, and even from far away, the water looked calm and inviting. No big waves. He had to take a break and swim. Luca was wrong to forbid it. Tommaso was a tyrant. When Tommaso stepped out on the sidewalk to smoke, Stefano snuck outside. He took the long way around to the main beach entrance and walked quickly past Luca, who was checking in 10 tourists from Switzerland. Stefano's feet hit the beach and he yelped with pain. Oh! The sand was hot. He snorted and fell to the ground, ripped off his shirt, and galloped on all fours toward the water. Stones cut him. Men and women screamed as he rushed past. His feet were tough as hooves. Splash, he fell into the waves. His hair was floating. His back relaxed. Wonderful coolness pervaded his body. The sky opened up. What calmed Stefano down, brought him back more and less, was the sight of the seagulls and the fish. Even the jellyfish were a welcome distraction because they were so transparent and non-judgmental. Jellyfish pulsated. They stung their prey. That was about it. He swam slowly all the way to the Gavitello and back. Pulling himself out of the water, he noticed clumps of people staring at him and pointing. The sand seared his feet. Some people were yelling at him, some laughing. He felt his back hunching over, the hair standing up on his back. His lower jaw distended with sharp teeth ready to bite them all. He charged the clumps of people. They screamed and scattered. He was isolated and alone. He was a monster. From the restaurant, a skinny girl descended the steps. She was there to help him. She was the only one who wasn't afraid. She ran toward him. It was Renata. The end. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. This is Laura Valtorta and Dante Valtorta. Ciao.